Betches Media presents Betches Moms with hosts Aileen Drexler and Brittany Levine. Get ready to lock yourself in the bathroom or wherever else you hide from your kids because you'll literally never be alone again. Hello and welcome to the Betches Moms podcast. I'm Brittany and today we are joined by Berna Anat, host of Money Please presented by Public.com, also known as at Hey Berna on Instagram, your personal financial hype woman. Berna is bringing you the financial real talk to the real world. Welcome, Berna. Thank you so much, Brittany. I'm psyched to be here. I'm psyched to be amongst the Betches Moms community and I'm psyched to talk about money all the time, 24-7. Well, I'm excited because this is definitely a weak point for me. So I need all the help in how I can help my kids. And I know that everybody listening is going to love all this advice. So before we start, can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about Money, Please? Yes, absolutely. So my name again is Berna. I am as, as I am known on these internet streets, financial hype woman, which is a totally made up way of saying that I teach people about money in a way that has hype in it, that has excitement, has some energy, has some diversity to it. And Money Please is our new podcast with Betches and One's Happy Hour. And it's all the money stuff no one taught us, which for a lot of us is all the money stuff because no one taught us anything. I like to tell folks. Nothing. Yes, nothing. I am a, like my background is, and I like to say this at the top of everything, my background is communications, writing. I don't come from a financial background or financially affluent family. I am a Filipino-America daughter of immigrants. My mom worked for United Customer Service for 30 years. My dad was a postal service mail carrier for 30 years. No finance background. I'm 100% University of Google taught, super smart finance friends taught, Um, which is the way that a lot of us have to teach ourselves if you have the time, if you have the privilege. And so I see myself as like an overexcited finance bestie translator of sorts. And Money Please is where we go through the very basics of stuff no one taught us, budgeting, savings, debt, investing. I give as much knowledge and, you know, I love the emotional textures of money. And then when I can't answer the questions, I bring my smart finance besties on and we talk about it. And so I'm super psyched to be bringing that energy here and to start teasing out what is what are some money issues that moms and parents are dealing with because we we grow up with our own like lack of financial education and then we have babies and it's like oh, we don't get downloaded the financial education to pass on to the like no one gives us an orientation packet and so everybody is confused everybody needs help yeah it's actually funny that you say like we don't get downloaded with the pamphlet because there's like obviously like as parents, we like, oh, Aileen and I are always talking about how, you know, they send you off in the hospital with no knowledge of literally anything. And this is definitely one of those things. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, I need to like start teaching my kid things. Yes, 100%. It's I feel like adulthood is just like chapter after chapter of us getting shoved into things. And you're like, are you really? I This is my apartment? This is my college degree. You're not going to check on me. I have to say also at the top of this, I am not a mom. I am not a parent. I am very much, I am an intense auntie, but I am not a parent. So I haven't had that specific experience, but I was just talking to my brother and sister-in-law about their 
specific disbelief when they were sent home with uh, my niece Isla last year. And they're like, they just let you walk out of the damn hospital. Yeah. That's it. Mm -hmm. No checks. No one looks through your bank accounts. Nothing. Not, they don't even check your credit. Nothing. You just no, have the baby. Nothing. They don't check your credit. And they check your credit for everything. But not not <laughs> humans. What does it all mean? It's very confusing. Yeah, it's, it's out of control. And it's mind boggling that I was allowed to uh, bring two children home. But here we are. <laughs> here we and are. this is why I need people like you in my life. Mm -hmm. So, you know, one thing that I remember is that, and like you were saying before, we're never, we're not taught these things. We're not taught finance in school. We know nothing about money. And I definitely didn't, I, I, love my parents, but they did not instill good um, financial, a good financial education with me because, you know, they just didn't. And I don't think it's their fault. It was just never, I don't think it's a conversation that people realize that they need to have with their kids. And I, the only thing I remember about learning in elementary school was that my math teacher had us write checks to each other. Mm. <laughs> and that was the Favorite only checks. time that I ever learned anything about the real world in school was mm. writing checks to people. And I don't even know, I think we, like, obviously it was fake money, but maybe, I think it was like we gained money with our test scores or something like that, oh, which was really try. cute. And, and it stuck with me. So it was a really great lesson, but it's, you know, and because our kids to this day still, I don't know what the private schools are particularly like, but in the public schools, they're not getting this financial education. So how do us as parents start with this conversation and, and how young should we start this conversation with our kids? Oh, this is a great question because I come from a very similar, at least like social, emotional money background as yourself. My parents absolutely did not talk about money. And I think this is also very common with uh, immigrant families, parents of immigrant, children of immigrant parents. Money is talked about zero percent or if it is talked about it's talked about in this sort of uh, umbrella of shame or secrecy or we don't show other people our money issues you know like i don't know how many times i've been like either quietly pinched on the thigh or openly hit on the head if i like talked about my family's money issues at a family party or mentioned it at church it's very much this cloud of shame that follows us and so becoming adults we have to try to undo that first for ourselves and then what an effort for parents to have to build a different financial world from their for their kids that they didn't experience. Um, there's a stat that really blows my mind. It's a University of Cambridge study, I believe from 2019, where they found that our financial memories are pretty much set and like our very first financial lessons are set between the ages of seven and 12, which is so wild. Not to say like once you're, you hit 12, you're done learning things, but it really... Uh, kind of builds the foundation of how you think about money. Not a lot of us are like between the ages of seven and 12 being drilled with like, what is a checking and savings account or like investing terms. And so we are gathering what we know about money as kids through what we see our parents do, through what we see our caretakers do, um, the way that they talk about money, the feeling in the house when, when money is brought up, um, the way that financial hardships are dealt with, like we're gathering that first and then building all of our financial tips and tricks and tactical stuff on top of that. And so the first thing I always want to say is that it's so important the way that you deal with money emotionally in the house and how money feels in the house. I would say even more than the tactical, I'm teaching you what a checking account is. I'm teaching you how to invest. Um, and that's, it's very difficult to 
kind of parse out the feelings of money when you're staying quiet about it. So we can we can absolutely get into like how do how do we start talking about it? It just blows my mind the earliness and like what gets set so early. Yeah. Yeah, because the only thing I could think about when it comes to talking about money with our kids is we're just saying like, oh, well, you, like you need, you need money to buy that. If like, I guess that's like the number one thing parents probably say to their kids like, oh, I want this toy. It's like, well, you need money to buy that. Let's start a piggy bank. Um, ha- so is that actually a really good tactic to do with your kids to have a piggy bank, like that old fashioned mindset? Yes, I think actually, okay, I'm going to talk from the perspective of things that I wish that my parents did now that I've seen uh, so much financial education content and so many other incredible parents do amazing, totally different, like generationally different things for their kids. What I wish my parents did and what I would look forward to if and or when I have kids is I want, I would have wanted them to teach me that money is a tool to get what I want. Um, I think a lot of the times, by the time we're talking to our kids about money, we're already bringing that energy of, well, you got to go get it yourself. Or like, yeah. well, it's oppressive. Like in your voice, you're like, ugh, already talking to them about uh-huh. money. And so I wish they would come to me and kind of teach me money the way that we're taught, like our ABCs and our shapes and our colors. It's like, this is just a tool that you need to understand things in the world. Later on, you could be like, it's the number one tool because capitalism. But you bring it back first, <laughs> you know, in the beginning. And you're like, this is a tool to get things. When, you know, when mom or dad goes to the store, I want to buy this bag of chips. Look what I have to do. I have to give money to this person and get it. And then I get the bag of chips. So I wish they set it up as money is a tool. And then secondly, I wish they also set it up as money is a tool to get the things that I that I want or that I love in a positive way. Do you love candy? Do you love going to dance class? Do you love eating at night? Great. Money is how we get to that, you know, as opposed to the whole like, you don't have we don't have McDonald's money. Who is going to buy the Jordans without money? You know, they'll certainly come at it with shame. As, yeah. as much as possible, make the conversation uh, positive. Make it it's a tool to get the good things that you want in life. How exciting that money can get you these good things. And then also frame it as money is a tool that only goes so far because math, right? If you have $10, you can't stretch it to get that $20 thing. So then what can we do inside of $10? What are the options and the possibilities inside of these $10? Like that sort of frame set of like, when you have this number, the number doesn't mean you're broke. The number doesn't mean you're poor. That doesn't that doesn't mean, oh my God, we don't have enough. And so stop asking me for these things. What's the possibility then within the, within the money that you do have? I love it when I've heard parents set up an allowance or some sort of like money activity where it's like, it's not necessarily, oh, those shoes are $30 and I only want to spend 10. So shut up about the $30 shoes. We're going to pay less. It's like, what can we buy? How can you and I get creative about it? How can I validate the choices in the math and the understanding that you have so that we are excited about the choices we can make as opposed to stop, you can't afford it too bad, you know, bringing that negativity right away. This It's interesting. It directly correlates back to when we speak to all these therapists and psychologists about how we speak to our children and more of this gentle parenting approach where you you sort of stray away from the negatives. And it's more about, okay, how could you talk to them in ways that they would understand in a calm sense to, you know, I guess you could kind of say walking around Mm -hmm. what it is that you're trying to say, but you're psyching, you know, for lack of a better term, psyching your kids out. (laughs) 
Yes. <laughs> it's like a, it's sort of like a, it's framing it in a way that is, I would say, as neutrally positive as possible because so many of our first financial experiences are full on negative. And I mean, kids don't know anything about money as a tool in the beginning. They just know that like when the word money comes up or they ask for something that they want and it can't be afforded, usually it's like, <sighs> parents said, no, never bring it up again. Yeah. And so, I would love to see, like I would have loved my parents were like, this is a tool. It is what it is. It's a number. Sometimes it's paper. Sometimes it's digital. But it's how we get what we want. So then let's talk about what are the things you want? How does money fit into that? It's, of course, extremely difficult to remove the emotion from that, especially if we're carrying like generational, especially like poverty cycle related baggage. There's a, I think our second episode actually of Money Please, we talk about financial therapy and unpacking that for yourself before you end up projecting that onto your partner, your family, your kids. There's there's lots to it, but you know, neutral positive is the way that I would I would ask folks to go. Right. And I also really like how you say it doesn't matter what the price tag is because we're not saying here you have to a lot of you have to have a lot of money to teach money. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter what you have. It's teaching that what are you getting within your means and not to think about like, what? well, what could you get if you had that $30? Well, you have $10. So let's think about that. Yes, and I really exactly. like that approach. Yeah. I think a lot of our first money lessons are money. You don't have it. Money. It's not enough. How can mm-hmm. you walk that conversation back and say money is a tool to get things? You know, now there's lots of toys and tools to like, let's play store. Or let's play, you know, cash register where mm-hmm. they can understand how money how far money can go in a safe space without the first experience being like I don't money is a thing we don't have so don't ask me about it um, and I also I really value and have seen so many great systems of folks saying when you're te- first teaching your kids about money it isn't necessarily just about what can they buy and what can they not buy I am a big budgeting hoe I am I am just I love to budget <laughs> I love to talk about budgeting, and that's what I really wish my parents did for me, is to talk about money in terms of, okay, you have $10. Let's not immediately think about spending all $10. You know what else is cool to do with your money? You could save it, you could spend it, or you can share it. Save, spend, share, I think is the sort of like three-prong way that a lot of folks uh, split their money and teach teach your kids about money. Then you have $10. How much do you want to spend? How much do you want to save because maybe you want something bigger later? And then how much do you want to share? Share being maybe you buy something for someone you love. Maybe you give it to someone who is more in need. Maybe it's something that you you give to like something you care about. To be able to think money is something that's supposed to be split and not exact, not like in and out, in and out immediately yeah. would have been a game changer for me as a kid for sure. Yeah. I need to listen to this uh, money therapy episode that you're speaking of because as you're saying this, I'm like, I wish my parents spoke to me about this. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Money is incredibly emotional. It's so personal. It's just like any other kind of trauma. We have financial trauma and we carry that into the way that we spend. And then, of course, we carry that into the way that we build our families and we teach money. And so in a perfect world, obviously, we would all be resourced enough and have the time and and the money to financially unpack our shiz before we have kids. But like in what world would that ever, ever work out? So we do our best to unpack those things and then kind of heal our own money brains before teaching our kids from a neutral place. Because we it's pretty much impossible to teach from a neutral place if we don't know what it is we're working with. We've all got scars. (laughs) 
So when you say to, when you, when you give a child for the example, you give a child $10 and what are you going to keep? What are you going to spend? What are you going to share? That's a great habit to teach your child. Are there any other habits that we should be um, instilling in our kids' minds when it comes to finance? Sure. I think one thing that's really good to instill is sort of getting used to, and this is sort of playing into the inner like anti-capitalist in me is like, no, but there's a reality in which what's so difficult when we become adults, even young adults, is when you start to get a paycheck and you get money at a normal cadence, right? And you're like, I'm going to spend all that money because it's coming again anyway. I'm going to spend it because it's coming again anyway. Again, this is going back to like my obsession with budgeting. Um, Mm -hmm. And I say this from a place of, God, I wish my parents did this. Because again, growing up in an immigrant household, the idea of allowance was hilarious to them. They were like, your allowance is I allow you to live in the house. That is the allowance. Um, But I really (laughs) wish they had taught me to handle money and then maybe we come up with a system so that a certain amount of money comes in every time and I can keep making different decisions. I think what's so important and what I get so excited about with budgeting, especially if you have a regular paycheck, is being forgiving with yourself about the financial decisions that you make and knowing that if there's another piece of money coming that you can make better decisions and grow from that. I think it would be so important if it's almost like, are we teaching our kids to to get used to a paycheck? Maybe a little bit, but it really also kind of gets them into a healthier mindset of like, I can do things with my money. I can make mistakes. It's going to be okay. In two weeks, I might get another $10 from mom and dad, and we're going to have a conversation about how to do better next time. I think there is a place of scarcity a lot of us come from um, what because of all the things that we learned as kids. And so if we don't trust ourselves that we can make better decisions, we can talk these things out with our family, and that there's going to be a, there might be a reset moment where we can like come back together and learn again, that's when people start to hoard or people start to spend really intensely or think of money as something that we have to spend it now because it's going to leave me. Um, getting that regularity, I think, is it can be really revolutionary for a kid's money brain. Yeah. I'm already thinking, like, my wheels are turning. Like, how could I do this? Maybe, like, setting up, like, literally three different piggy banks or jars or whatever. But I think yeah. my son right now is a little too young. He's three and a half. So oh, yeah. it probably has a couple of years. I mean, he's he just sees coins. He's like, coins, money. Yeah. Like, he has, <laughs> he has no idea. <laughs> but actually, well, my – um, in-laws will take him to a toy store and they'll give him different amounts of money and they'll be like, here's a dollar, here's $10. You could only buy something that's worth this much. And again, he doesn't really know. So he'll pick things up. He'll be like, is this a dollar? Is this a dollar? Which I think is really cute. And it's really nice because again, like I was, my parents never did that with me. And I think to start early is amazing and I'm excited to do this with my kids because it sounds really fun and rewarding. Yes, absolutely. I mean, money touches our lives every second of every day. And so to not talk about money with your kids, it's, I mean, look at us now, you know, millennials who are lost and confused about money because there's this huge part of our lives that just went either unnoticed or like uncommented on or like stuck in the shadows and it grew mold and got weird. And then it's like, okay, you got to pay rent, figure it out. Yeah, And so to be able to acknowledge this and acknowledge like this is the world that we live in. We touch money all the time. Like it, I in I, my ideal household, we'd be talking about money constantly, basically as much as it comes up between me and my partner as adults. And of course, there are ways that you should filter the conversations. They don't need to, they don't need to know about all the financial oppression and all the capitalism right away. Right. But for it to be 
at just as normal as talking about food that you eat every day and friends that you see every day, like money and exchange and the way that it's a tool to get what you want is that's the kind of conversation yeah. I would want to see to happen all the time. Do you think that there is a specific amount of allowance that is appropriate to give our kids? That's, that is where I'm like, ooh, that's up to the parents 100%. Okay. I would say as long as you keep it consistent, um, one thing that like my parents kind of tried to give us an allowance, but I know it was it didn't last very long because they were like, never mind. We don't want to do this for you anymore. <laughs> Earn your keep. And um, and it was kind of all over the place. And it sort of depended. I remember for a while it depended on like how much chores we did, which to be fair, they were trying to teach me a lesson too of just like you work hard enough, you get this amount of money. Which again, it's like now again, the anti-capitalist in me is like, it's a broken system. Your worth is not a dollar. Um, but it would have been nice if there was some type of consistency and a round number that I could always work from for like three yeah. or six months so that I can get my brain not around the amount, but around here's how I can mix it up this time and remix it and again the next time. It's going to be $10 every time. So what did it feel like doing $10 this way versus that way versus that way? I would say pick a round number and make it consistent is the best thing. And if you want to change it, have a conversation with your kid about why you're changing it and what that could mean. Um, it's just, it makes me so excited to think that there are parents and moms in this next generation who are going to sort of create this financial safe space to workshop and talk about money before they're shoved out into the world. And mm -hmm. they're like, paycheck, whatever. So, you know, like workshopping that in as consistent and open a space as possible, I think would work. And I, I will leave the number itself up to folks as long as they can make it consistent. That makes sense. So actually, I, like as a parent, you might think like, oh, you did a really, you did a really good job putting the dishes away. I'm going to give you an extra $5 this week. That's probably not something that we should do. Maybe that's something that if we give them a raise at the end of the month, we're like, you did a really good job putting the dishes away every single time. So now we're mm. giving you a raise and not make it yes. that one specific moment. Yes. See, that's what's so interesting and fun. Like even for just for you, Brittany, I'm like, that's a really cool sort of like household right? financial like um, philosophy that you're building of like, I'm not going to do it in the moment, but I'm going to like chart. I'm going to I'm going to be like, I see you. I see your game. We could talk about a raise in a month if you keep it up. And like that is really how the world works. And then it becomes more of a like less of like a direct exchange labor to dollar, labor to dollar. Mm -hmm. It's more of like, oh, there is like if I put an effort and I talk with my parents about this we could be seeing more money or my, my financial relationship could change. Some people might say like, we're going to keep the money consistent. If I like what you're doing, I'm going to reward you in a different way with like attention or yeah. love or time or something like that. Or you can use money like in that same way. I'm just like, we're going to, or it could be like, okay, I've been giving you 10 bucks every two weeks. I see that you're doing a really good job. We're going to add an extra $5 as a bonus, but let's you and me decide what we're going to do with that bonus. What could we do like together to spend that money? Because this is a special moment. Um, it makes me think again of like when us as adults get bonuses in, in our in our life. I'm I'm always like, ah, we must plan out what the bonus is for. Don't just throw it at a trip to Santorini. Like, let's pre-plan. It's like it, it's kind of a cool way to open up the conversation of like when money comes to you as a surprise. Can we be intentional about it? Can mm -hmm. we make it joyful? Can it be a joint decision that we make together so that money is always a conversation and not just like, oh my god, it's extra. Run screaming, go crazy. Yeah. At what point as parents could we start talking about the different levels of savings, such as investing? Yes. Uh, that, Of course, like all the investment angel friends over my shoulder are like, 
out the womb like immediately because <laughs> investing is i mean it's it's a it's a time game you know you want to start as early as possible um but i would want parents i would want my parents i would want myself as a parent to be involving my kids in those decisions as well i just had a conversation actually with one of my older cousins and she is raising her son so that every month basically what you can do is open up an investing custodial account for your kid they can't actually touch the invested money until they're 18 but you can open up a custodial account so that basically the money that you're putting into this investing account it will transfer over to your child when they turn 18 but what my cousin is doing is i think they opened up this custodial account for him um and it's uh just like a regular brokerage account so just like kind of regular putting money into the general stock market and they're deciding they sit down and decide every month they go literally into like charles schwab and open up the account of course poor kid is like 12 and he's like this is kind of boring and weird but they go <laughs> in and she explains and decides what the money is doing every month i i would want it to be that interactive and that um kind of collaborative i would say at the very beginning first we first we talk about budgeting right first we talk about money as a tool money is something that we can split up into these three different really awesome things let's mess with it for a few months with a few, for a few years so we understand money as a tool and then money as something to save for like delayed gratification so savings when you build up this much and you build and build and build and build you get a bigger thing at the end oh my gosh that's sort of level two and then I think level three is investing. And for me, I would say I would start to talk about investing once my kid starts to talk about future goals. Like I would imagine once they're like, oh, I want to go to this, like college is kind of cool or like that's a cool job over there. Or like, I think I want to be a did it. Once any part I feel like that college or higher education enters the conversation, that's what I would be like. So college is very expensive. Let's talk about how to save and invest for something like that. Um, and of course, we can talk about 529 plans and everything. But I think that's where I would start to work it in. Once they have an understanding of what, how to tool out your money and understand that money to be like saving money is a good thing. It could get you good things. Now let's talk about that, that like third layer of money growing while you wait. If you go right to it, they're going to be like, but I want it now. It makes no sense. Which is, I'm, to be honest, I still feel that way sometimes as an adult. Yeah, but I think this is all great advice because you, like I keep saying this throughout, you have my wheels churning of all the yeah. fun things I could do in like, you know, seven years with my child. Yes. <laughs> I, but, I, but I love that idea of really not being scared to show something that's scary to us, to mm -hmm. our kids. Like yes. opening, <laughs> opening up like a Charles Schwab and like looking at that dashboard is freaking scary but horrifying if but maybe if we saw something like that when we were 12 it wouldn't be so horrifying <laughs> yeah <laughs> horrifying or daunting now so i think a lot of that is true like we we can't be scared to present this to our kids there's nothing scary about it it's actually really cool and fun exactly and i think we shouldn't be afraid to i, I imagine people are listening to this and being like so how am i supposed to explain the dashboard to my kid if i don't understand it <laughs> how wonderful would it have been if like my parents were like listen i don't know what the hell is going on here but you and i are going to sit down and figure this out especially knowing that like yeah. at that moment i was already more tech savvy than my parents i really could have helped them out if we just opened up the yeah. conversation but it's a positive thing to be learning alongside your kid. You know, it's a positive thing to open up and be like, there's stuff about money that I can teach you. There's stuff about money that you and I are going to learn next to each other together. And what is it now? Gen, Gen Alpha? Is that what they're calling the next generation? They're going to come. I, yeah, like it's that. Alpha. I think we're Beta. 
beta, they're going to come rolling out, out the wound knowing what a robo-advisor is, like, to some oh, degree, of right? You know, so, it, like, make it a collaborative process where, of course, like, we have as humans in our own generation, our own financial limitations for what we know. The way that we can change it for the next generation is going, let's talk about those financial limitations. Let's change it together. Let's say, let's make this a collaborative conversation so it's not just, like, don't pretend you know everything in front of your kids. I would have loved if my parents were like, I don't know what the hell this is, but we're going to figure this out because I'm, I want to do this for your future. Open that, just change the conversation for your yeah. kids that make it different from what the conversations were for you. So kind of moving into, you mentioned a 529 account. We had a lot of listener questions about how us as parents uh, could save for our, our children's future and yes. kind of start with really good habits right now and when is it too late, mm-hmm. et cetera. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. Like so many, so many great resources to point towards when it comes to saving up for college for your kids. The number one thing, of course, that the, the most popular tactile thing that financial experts recommend is the 529 account. 529 account, has a weird name because it's named for the section of the U.S. tax code that it's in, which is like a 75,000-page document that is complete nonsense and changes all the time and extremely unoriginal in their names. 529 account is a type of savings and investing account that you could open that's specifically for your child's education. Now, it's different from a savings account or like other investing account because because it's specifically for education and it can only be spent on educational uh, needs either, and it doesn't just have to mm-hmm. be college. It could also be, um, you know, secondary and high school education. And there are certain perks to this kind of account that you can't get in a in a regular savings or investing account. The perks actually vary from state to state and from organization to organization. When you're opening a five twenty nine account. You can open them uh, according to basically what like the state has set up for your state, or you can open up a 529 account in other states. It's like you got to shop around. It's like shopping around for a school or any kind of product. You want to look around at the options because different states offer different benefits. Um, I was just reading about how there's a certain type of 529 account in Colorado where if you have it open for a certain amount of time, they'll like sprinkle in $2,500 for free for you for funsies to say thanks um it's it's totally different and it changes every year yeah there are certain i mean there are some like five basically it's these are organizations putting these plans to 529 plans together and of course they want your money and so different states different plans have different benefits to them so it's important to shop around and you're not limited to your own state um the pros of all yeah it's wild and and these things are changing all the time and so it's important to you know even if i'm telling you about a 529 plan at the end of the sentence things might change and so right it's important to hit the googles and also don't be afraid to run up on a financial advisor and ask them about these things too because it is their job to stay on top of these things and we can talk about financial advisor resources too um the good things about a 529 plan you can reap all the specific benefits, the educational specific benefits that you wouldn't be able to get in a regular investing or savings account. And of course, that's different for every plan. You can put that money away and like have it grow. So it's not just a savings account, it's an investing account, and which means that your money grows much, usually much faster than if it just sits in a savings. So, you know, with basic investing, it grows on top of itself. And you, the more consistent, the more money, consistently you put money in, the more that it grows. So by the time your child hits 
college or education level, uh, it grows so much faster than a savings account, which is great. And it kind of it puts that out of mind for you. You know, like you can it helps you budget better knowing that that's specifically for education. Some of the cons is that it can only be used for educational purposes. And so if you try to take money out after a certain before a certain time or for other things outside of education, you might incur a penalty, uh, which is fees and things like that. Um, another con is that you can't necessarily choose what's be, what your money's being invested in inside of a 529 plan, 529 plan. Again, you're buying into something that's sort of organized already for you. And so you're just, it's pretty easy. You're just putting money into it, but you can't really tailor if you wanted more stocks, less bonds, this kind of index fund. Um, it's all sort of set up there. And so if folks want to be more hands-on about their investing, this is going to be a little bit difficult. And yeah. also super important thing to think about when it comes to a 529 plan. Typically, we're thinking about this for our children's college education. Sometimes if you have money in a 529 plan, that could affect what kind of financial aid your kid gets in the future. So basically, oh. having a 529 plan could count against you, could count against your income when they're calculating how many scholarships or grants or loans that your kid could get. Um, it also it sort of it counts against, I think it's called like the uh, EFC, expected family contribution. That basically FAFSA is like, oh, well, you got a 529 plan. Great. You're definitely going to use it for this kid. So we're going to give you less. That's something to consider um, if you are if you're thinking of applying for FAFSA for your kid in the future. That is one thing I did not know. I have 529 for both my kids. Yeah. And, um, you know, I feel like it's important. That was what we decided as a family we wanted to do. But one question I had is, do you know if you could only use it in the state or is that a different type of because isn't there um, a college fund where you could only, and I don't know if it's the 529, you could only use it in the state that you have the fund for that state school, or is that something completely different? I'm not sure, actually. It could be a different type of 529 that's specific just to the state. Um, yeah. From the last time I had been doing some research, uh, you could invest in 529 plans that aren't originated in your state. But I think it completely depends on what the specific plan is, because there's so many different kinds out there. And so it's it's all about like reading the fine print of that kind of thing. It's it's very it's right. very detail oriented. Yes. So I don't know if this is too technical of a question, but if we're trying as parents trying to save for our child's education, and I guess if we start saving from the time that they're born and they go to college at eighteen, what do you think the right amount that we should be putting into the, that five twenty nine should be in order to have a really nice sum of money, knowing how expensive? going to college is now and how much it will increase in the next 20 years? I would say that that type of technical question is definitely for your financial advisor. I really highly recommend, especially if you're building a financial plan for your family, you're looking into the future of a family that's beyond you, to link up with a financial advisor and hold on to them the way that I grasp onto my therapist. I'm all about the freaking village. <laughs> So financial advisor is important in this in this scenario because then they can break down. They look at all of your stuff, all your investments, all your bank accounts, all your financial situations, and ideally like also your financial emotional situations, how you feel about investing in things, and they can tell you the right number. Because I couldn't give a, a I couldn't give an accurate technical read on that because I would need to know all the rest of the stuff. And I'm also not right. 
I'm not certified the way that these financial advisors are. And I absolutely, this is me beating the drum of like, get your financial village in order because you're not supposed to be doing this stuff by yourself. You're a parent. You could only Google so much. And yeah. I'd, please don't ask for technical financial advice from people like financial hype women who are just, I'm just around Googling stuff and trying to translate. But I'm a big <laughs> hype woman for actual financial advisors. And one resource that I really love for folks, because I mean, for myself, I have a financial advisor, but because I'm a you know financy person, but I was like, what? financial advisor, like that's a fancy thing for fancy people. I love to point towards advisorsgiveback.org. This is a resource where you can connect with financial advisors who are donating or um, putting their time in sort of a uh, pay-as-you-go or a donation-based kind of thing. And it started at the beginning of the pandemic for folks who were like, I would like to talk to a financial advisor, but this shit is very intimidating and I'm scared of you. And that's an amazing way to dip your toe. And also, you'll be able to come to them specifically with what I want to do is start family planning. What I want to do is start looking into how much I'm supposed to be putting into my 529 plan. This is a specific question I want you to answer now. Um, and then you can work with them on like a limited time basis on a donation basis and then decide if you want to keep keep working together. So that's my plug for my financial advisor friends. Yeah, I we have a financial advisor that we actually started seeing when I was pregnant with Oliver for all of these reasons, because we knew absolutely nothing. And we knew that we wanted to have some sort of savings or trajectory of savings for our children and how we could get to a comfortable place. So I definitely recommend that as well. I think it's just nice to have somebody that you go to because we can't, we don't all have the answers for everything. We're not supposed to. I think also something interesting that I've seen my parent friends and like family friends bring up in the personal finance space is there are some folks who were like, you know what? I am prioritizing my retirement savings over saving for my my kids and for their college savings. Um, and I was like, ooh, spicy. I love to hear it. It's it's. I just want to introduce that that school of thought that there are some financial experts who are like, this is what I'm prioritizing. And some of the some of the thoughts behind that is, you know, like. I know I'm going to retire. That's coming up sooner for us. I want to stay financially stable so I can continue to support my kids. We don't know if my kids are going to go to college. We don't know what they're going to be uh, choosing. And I want them to be able to grab the resources around them if that's what they want. You know, they're like, we're contending with a ridiculously, ridiculously expensive education system. And maybe it shouldn't be all on the parents to be catering directly to that and saving all the funds for that. We need to take care of it. It's sort of the whole like, oxygen mask on yourself before you put it on your kids. Um, And I know I've seen some parents be like, I'm going to have my kids lean into scholarships. I'm going to have my kids look for financial aid. um, And I'm going to put the oxygen mask on me before them. So just something something to think about for parents out there. Yeah, I think that's fair. You know, Mm -hmm. thinking about that, because if you are not in a stable place, when your kids are at the age where they're between, you know, taking care of their own kids and their parents, Mm -hmm. they're now taking care of you. And if you didn't think about your future, then that doesn't help them either. So I think that's a fair thing to think about. But are there any other types of savings accounts that people might want to look into more than a 529 or if they're just not thinking about college or thinking in general, like setting up an actual savings account for their children, is there any type in particular that we should look at? 
Sure. I think, uh, unfortunately, we're very limited when we want to open up accounts that our kids have some control over. It's really just custodial accounts is that form for every kind, like custodial investment account, custodial savings account. One thing I like to tell folks, though, is to give whatever it is, whether you're investing or you're saving or you're just opening up a custodial checking account or like a joint credit card situation with your kid is to give it purpose, give it intention. So it's not just I'm saving money for you because I want you to live. Give it some sort of specific intention that you're communicating with your kid. This is your saving so that you can move out of the house and live for a year on your own. This is a saving so that when you turn 18, you can buy a car. If we give the intention and the image and the visual and the vision for the kids, they're much more bought into it than just like my dad saving or some other stuff. And I'm going to feel weird, weird and guilty about it by the time the money comes through because, you know, it's it's all attached to emotions. This is sort of yeah. similar advice that I give to folks when it comes to being in a partnership and dating and talking about money for the first time inside of a partnership. We have so much emotions already built up behind money. But if you put an intention in front of you, you can direct the emotions at the intention and direct all the tension at the intention first, at the goal, as opposed to like staying this weird nebulous, this is our shared saving space. So yeah. figuring out specifically what that goal is and communicating that and getting getting your kid hyped and excited about that goal, I think to me is just as important as opening up the right custodial account. So that you want them to see it as like money gets me that vision and it's not just money to be money. Could you just explain what a custodial account is just for anybody listening who might not know what that is? Yes, absolutely. So a custodial account is an account that anybody over 18 can open for somebody who is under 18. Um, typically, when you're opening up a custodial account, you specify who this under 18-year-old person is. And then you, the adult, have control over withdrawing or depositing into the account. There are certain and certain uh, banks that offer custodial accounts if the kid is uh, tech savvy enough. That kid can see through an app or through their own login what's going on in there. Um, but you typically, the adult, are making deposits and withdrawals on behalf of the, the child or the kid, the the minor, the youth. And when that that the youth turns 18, then that money turns over to be officially under their name, whether that's a savings or an investing account. Um, typically, I feel like in, with my family and um, our generations, it was a custodial account was something we got like surprised hit over the head with later of just like well, there's this money there it is and it was sort of like i don't know what to do what huh like uncle's been putting 30 cents into my custodial account for the last 18 years what is that um what you can do though is technology has basically met us so that you can open up custodial accounts in certain banks and certain organizations and it's very open you can share these withdrawals and all the action and all the tools with your with your child um there are some banks that offer tools such that if it's a custodial account you can set up a budget and you can set up a savings goal that you and the young person can see at the same time. Um, that That's going to have to, you're going to have to do a Google sweep of the newest thing because fintech moves at the speed of freaking light. Um, but those resources are out there for us. So that's not, it's not just stuffy, weird, like custodial account behind the desk anymore. It can be very right. interactive and very collaborative. Right. right. And that's great because that's another thing to do with our kids that could be a learning experience. Yes, with us. I mean, those things can teach us as adults how to budget. And it's up to you whether you want to act like you knew how to budget already or be like, yeah. yes, we are both learning how to budget with our with each <laughs> other. So where can our listeners find some great family-oriented resources 
when it comes to their finances. Oh my gosh. The landscape is so wide and so wonderful now. I'm so excited. This is one of my favorite things to do as a hype woman is like, let me introduce you to my my amazing friends. Um, and the wonderful thing is there are so many more like diverse open voices out there. And I encourage everyone to look until you find a family, a philosophy, a lifestyle that fits you. It's no, absolutely not one size fits all. My favorite uh, family and kind of parent finance creators to follow. One of them is Julian and Kirsten of Rich and Regular. That's Rich and Regular on Instagram, on the internet, and especially on YouTube. They are uh, a family in Atlanta and they are specifically pursuing FIRE, F-I-R-E, which is finance, sort of this financial independence, retire early movement. They are super open about their finances and the way that uh, it, it, they incorporate their kids, the way that they teach their kids. It's so incredible. They're so hands-on. I love Rich and Regular so much. Another resource to look into is Allerson. Oops, that's Allerson is not her name. <laughs> Another resource to look into is Allison Baggerly of Inspired Budget. Um, Allison, Allison is incredible. She's super open. She also she has a husband and kids, and they talk all the time about what they're doing, especially on the topic of saving up for college for their kids. Um, super positive, very like chewable, digestible information. So I would say run screaming for sure and tell them I sent you to Rich and Regular and Inspired Budget. I'm excited to look them up because like I said, need all the advice I could get. So thank you for that. Thank you so much, Berna, for coming on to Betch's Moms. Um, Where can our listeners connect with you? You can find me definitely the most on Instagram at HeyBerna. I am the most obnoxious there. Um, And that's where, of course, I'll be promoting and talking about Money Please, which we have episodes coming out every Tuesday. And then we've got a little extra loose change episode every Thursday where we go on a deeper dive with our expert, um, if you couldn't get enough of them on the Tuesday episode. And I am, yeah, I'm going to be yelling about a lot of things on my Instagram, including Money Please. I have a book coming out that I'm literally in the middle of editing the manuscript and some fun videos happening. So catch me on Instagram for sure. Amazing. Everybody go find Berna at Hey Berna on Instagram. And yes. that's it for this episode of Betch's Moms Podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and follow us on Apple and Spotify and to follow Betch's Moms on Instagram. And remember, there are no rules on this podcast. I'm not like a regular mom. I'm a cool mom. Right, Regina? Please stop talking. The Betches Moms podcast is produced by Sean Kilby and Jorge Morales-Pico. Editing by Stacey Wong. Social media by Brittany Levine. Guest booking by Nicole Pellegrino. Be sure to follow us at Betches Moms on Instagram. And send us your emails to moms at Betches.com. Betches.